Let's take our Bibles this morning, could we, for a little while. Let's turn to a great psalm, amen, a wonderful psalm, and that's Psalm 103. Psalm 103, one of the great and famous psalms in the Word of God. And I simply want to talk to you today about praise for the Lord's mercies. These scriptures will be on the screen. And how many know our Lord deserves praise because He's given us many mercies Come on, many mercies. He's been merciful to us. The Lord's been good to us. He's been compassionate to us, and we praise Him. And in this psalm, what we're going to see is that in Psalm 103, David is rehearsing the goodness of the Lord. He's contemplating the goodness of the Lord. He's contemplating in his heart. I think he's mulling over in his heart. He's meditating on the loving kindnesses. Of the Lord. He's remembering in all the ways that Yahweh, the Lord, has blessed him. And I mean, it's important. This, this is a very important spiritual exercise that we meditate on the goodness of the Lord. And the reason is, there's so much negative around us. If, if we focus on all the negatives of life, you know what's going to happen? Our spiritual life is just going to take a nosedive. But I just challenge you, if we do like David does here... And if we start meditating on, his, on the blessings and on the privileges, you know what we're going to do? We're going to begin to soar again. Our, 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 our faith is going to take wings. Our hope is going is to be renewed. Because what I know is this, is that our enemy, Satan, will do everything he can to rob God's people of faith and joy and gratitude. And the reason is... Because a child of God filled with thanksgiving and gratitude and joy is a mighty force for good. Not only in the world, but certainly in the church. We're a mighty force for good when we're full of faith, full of joy, full of gratitude. And so we're going to count our blessing today. In fact, what David does here is David, he's going to remind us of Yahweh's blessings He's going to remind us, in verse 2 of the verse I'm about to read, he's going to say, I don't want you to forget any of his benefits. Come on, let's don't forget none of the blessings of the Lord. None of the blessings, none of the privileges of the Lord. So we're going to join David as we're going to count, we're going to count the blessings one by one. Do you remember that old chorus, that old hymn? Count your blessings, listen to it. A man by the name of Johnson Oakman wrote this in the 1800s. And he, his dad was the greatest singer in the town. His dad had the best voice <coughs> in the town. He didn't have a good voice like his dad. And, <coughs> pardon me, I swallowed wrong, pardon me. But when he was in his 30s, he, was, he said, you know, but I can, I can serve the Lord. I can bless the Lord. And he started writing hymns. And he wrote about 200 hymns a year during many, most of his life. And he wrote this song, Count Your Blessings One by One. Listen to the lyrics of this song, and then we'll read our text. The lyrics go like this. When upon life's billows you are tempted, tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And then the chorus Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your, uh, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Verse 2. 
Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings and every doubt will flee or fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Verse 3. When you look upon others with lands and gold, thinking, uh, think that Christ has promised you wealth untold. Count your many blessings that money cannot buy. What, what can't money buy? Your reward in heaven and the Lord on high. Money can't buy spiritual things. Verse 4. So amidst the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Come on, how many of you think we need to count our blessings? Come on, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And you will be surprised at what the Lord has done. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? He's been good to us. We were at the wedding uh, rehearsal yesterday. And, and I, lo- I was on the stairs there. And I looked down and there was a beautiful purple flower there. plant that had some beautiful flowers. And I thought, that's the glory of the Lord. Lord, you're showing out there. And I said, Lord, I thank you for that. We have so many things to give thanks for today. So we're going we're gonna to join David. We're going to count the blessings. Look at the screen here. Psalm 103, verse 1. A psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Yahweh. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget none of his benefits. Not one we're going to forget today. Notice. Who pardons and forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving, kind, uh, loving kindness and compassion. Some translation, tender mercies. Who satisfies your years with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord performs righteous deeds. And judgments for all who are oppressed. This is the word of the Lord today. Amen. David's going to count his blessings. David starts and he says, bless the Lord. Come on, say that with me. Bless the Lord. You know what that means? That means that when, when we worship and we give thanks to God, we're delighting his heart. We're exciting his heart. His face is, there's a smile on his face when his kids, the Lord loves it when his people were. Worship is right. In fact, the scripture says it is good, it is right to give thanks to the Lord. Bless the Lord. It delights his heart when we express gratitude for what he's done for us. And he's done a million things for us, but not only what he's done, but who he is. We praise him most of all for who he is, a perfect God. Come on, a great God. A God of redemption. A God who sent his son. We thank him for who he is. We thank him for what he's done. We're going to count our blessings. Name them one by one. We're going to bless him. We're going to delight his heart. Now, you know you parents, when your kids who come to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, I love you. Or without asking for anything, thank you. Unsolicited, thank you. Doesn't that warm your heart? 
Gratitude just does something to us as parents. I can tell you our Father in heaven, gratitude does something to him when we thank him. We're not just always asking for something. You know, sometimes I think our prayer, our prayer times are just checklists. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need healing. God, I need a little peace. God, my boss, God, please thump him on the head, you know, and put warts on his feet. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but we bless, it blesses us when our kids just say, thank you. Thank you. It blesses God when we do that. I, I, I was remembering in Acts when the, when the prophets and the teachers were gathered together in Acts 13. And I noticed a verse here. It says in Acts 13 too, it says, and while they, these prophets and these teachers, it says they, in verse 2, and while they were ministering to the Lord. Look at that. While they were ministering to the Lord. To the Lord in fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke and separate Barnabas and Saul. But notice that they were ministering to the Lord. You know, we come to church sometimes. Oh, Lord, I need, I need, I need, I need some ministry. But maybe the Lord needs some ministry. That's what David is saying. Lord, I want to minister to you today. Bless the Lord. Let, it, let our praise just delight your heart today. Lord, I'm not even going to ask you for anything. I always have needs. But Lord, I'm just going to minister to you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what the psalmist is saying. In fact, this is the attitude of proper Christian worship. This is the heart of Christian worship. That the heart of Christian worship is, is when, when we worship Yahweh. That's his name, Yahweh. It's translated in the Old Testament, uppercase, L-O-R-D, all uppercase, Lord. But it's Yahweh is his name. That's what the Lord told Moses. Tell him I am that I am. Yahweh, the Lord, the, the existing one, the present one. And, and the, the focus is of Christian worship is the Lord, not man. Now, how could we have got this, how could we get this so wrong? See, the proper question in worship is not what did we get out of it, but it's really what did the Lord get out of it? That's, that's the proper mindset of Christian worship. Did the Lord enjoy our worship today? Was he pleased with what we said? Did, did he, was, was he honored? Was his name glorified? I don't know how we've got it wrong. But I remember in, in Genesis where Abraham is commanded by the Lord to go to the mountains of Moriah. And we know that it's the hill called Calvary. We know that's in Jerusalem. We know that it was on Mount Zion. But he didn't know it. We know it as we look back. But the scripture says the Lord commanded him, take your son, your only son Isaac, offer him on one of the mountains of Moriah that I will show you. And he began to go. And here's what he said. When he came to the place, when he came to the place, the scripture says that he told the young men that were with him, here's what he said, and I quote, Stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship. We will worship and we will... Now notice this. We will worship and we will return to you. No choirs, no drums, no guitars. Thankful for all that we have. None of that there. And yet he said, we will go worship. Now notice this. The word worship here means to bow down. The word worship means... To prostrate oneself. This is what real worship is. This is, what the, this is the heart of true worship. I'm not talking about physically prostrating yourself. Certainly nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying to us today is this. I'm saying that Christian worship is about dying to self, not focusing on self. 
True Christian worship says, bless the Lord. True Christian worship focuses on his honor and his glory. How could we have gotten this so wrong? I think sometimes we lost the understanding of true Christian worship, that it is to bless the Lord. That's true worship. Worship is not simply about our enjoyment, but it's about his honor. Is the Lord honored? David said, bless the Lord. But then he adds something to it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now notice, all that is within me. All that is within me. True praise is not about outward forms. It's not about burning candles. It's not about certain rituals. True worship always and will always come from the heart. True worship is, comes from sincere hearts that want to glorify God and please God. It's said of Abel that he offered, he, offered pray, he offered a sacrifice to God in obedience to the Lord. All that is within me, that means this, that means our inner being. All that is within me means our inner being. It means that our, our, our inner being, that is our heart, our soul, mind, will, and emotions, our mind, our strength is focused on the Lord. It's more than going through forms. True worship always has been and always will be a heart that is alighted, that is aligned, that is, to God. Jesus said it this way. The hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, in spirit, and in truth. Notice, for such people the Father seeking as his word. This is what God wants. God's not worried about a candle. God's not worried about a certain ritual or a certain form. You know, they said to Jesus, why don't you wash your hands before you do this stuff? Jesus says, it's the heart. It's not about the outward dirty hands with physical dirt. Your hearts are dirty. You draw not to me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. It's not about dirty hands physically with dirt, but it's about hearts that are dirty. It's really about hearts that are clean. He says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in his spirit and in truth. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Everyone say all. all. What's the great commandment, Jesus? What's the greatest commandment? What's the foremost? What's the commandment that stands at the front of the line? Here's what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment, to worship God like this. Worship him with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. This is what worship is about. All that is within me. All that is within me means that after the worship service, I'm ready to walk out that door and I'm ready to Obey him. Uh, listen, Christian worship is not about the excitement and the emotion and titillating of our outward carnality. And then we walk out and we live as we want to live. No, it's, it's going out the door and said, I will love my wife with all my heart. I, I will love my children. I will live a holy and godly life. I will obey the Lord with all of my heart. That's what worship is. Listen, if, if that doesn't take place out there, what we do in here is meaningless. 
all that is within me. All. All is used nine times in this psalm. Nine times. David said, all that is within me. In verse 6 it says, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. In verse 19 it says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Verse 12, 21 and 22, bless the Lord all you his host, who's you who serve him, his doing his will. Bless the Lord, all his works of his in all places of his dominion. This could be called the psalm of total commitment. The worship of total commitment. Now, it's interesting that we give thanks before we eat. And we should, right? We should. We gather around. At Thanksgiving, we'll gather you know, our kids, you know how it is when your kids get older, you know, one year they go away for Thanksgiving, one year they come home for, we get them for Christmas. Come on. Amen. I almost looked at my wife. She's in children's church. But, uh, but we'll gather and I'll give a little speech about Thanksgiving and gratitude and then we'll all pray together. And our whole family saved. Not a one of them are lost. All my family, we all love the Lord. We're all saved, all full of the Spirit. They're all vigorously serving the Lord. So it's wonderful to be able to gather and worship them. We'll do that before the meal. Do you realize Jewish people did it after the meal? They didn't do it before. They did it after the meal. And the reason they did it after the meal is they want to acknowledge that this is from the Lord. What we have received, God has done it. We may, let's do it before and after. Come on. Listen, listen, listen to Deuteronomy. All that is within me now. Listen. Deuteronomy 8, this will be on the screen. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a, a, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you shall eat food without scarcity, hallelujah, and in which you shall not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten, this is why they pray after, when you have eaten, when you have eaten, and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware, lest you forget the Lord, Yahweh, your God. By not keeping his commandments and his ordinance and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built houses and lived in them. And when, you, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply. And all that you have multiplies. Then your heart becomes proud. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. He led you through this great and terrible wilderness and its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. And in the wilderness, he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember 
the Lord your God. For he it is who is giving you power to make wealth. And, and he, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. I testify against you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall always also perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. So after they eat, they give thanks to the Lord. Maybe after you've eaten on Thanksgiving Day, we need to just say, let's stop again and thank Him for what He has done and the things which He has given us. In the book of Deuteronomy, 14 times, at least 14 times, Moses admonishes the people to remember what the Lord has done for them. And nine times in Deuteronomy, he cautions them Not to forget what the Lord has done. Toward the end of the book it says, You neglected the rock who begot you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Three more generations in, the third generation of Jews. After Joshua was gone, after Moses was gone, after those godly, you know, godly people... They're like pillars. Godly people, listen to me. Godly people in a family can keep a family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Godly mom can keep a family. I've seen it happen. I've seen a godly mom or dad pass off the scene and the family be spiritual and all of a sudden they just fragment. And you realize the influence that godly people have. We need godly people in our nation. We need godly people in in, in our church and thank God we have that. But Joshua was gone. Those that had seen the mighty works of the Lord were gone. Those that walked with God had gone. And then spirituality began to slip in Israel. Listen, it can slip in Israel. It can slip in your house. If it can slip in Israel, it can slip in your house. It can slip in this church. It can slip in this nation. We're watching it slip. And notice the commentary. Third generation Notice it said in Judges, and the people who served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that Yahweh, which, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at an, at an age of 110. Y'all know I'm going to live that long. <laughs> and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gesh. Notice, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That generation who knew God, walked with God, saw God, fought the Canaanites, fought the Amorites, fought the Perizzites, fought all of those armies and took the land. They gone now. The prayer warriors were gone now. Those that knew how to walk in rugged faith, those that were willing to risk everything to see what the, to obey the Lord, they're all gone now. And notice what it says. And all that generation were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation. After them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which he had done. Now, now you've got to understand, 
the, the, it's in the NLT it says this, they did not acknowledge or remember him. It sounds like in some translations, oh, it just happened. No, they chose to forget God. They chose to put idols in front of them. Verse 13 says, and then they forsook the Lord and, the ba- and they worshiped the Baals and the Asherah. Here's the, here's the message there. When we're not saying, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. If that, when that doesn't become a part of our lives, When we lose worship, we begin to decline spiritually. When we stop saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. When we stop worshiping with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we stop honoring him and understanding what true Christian worship is, we start serving the Baals. We start serving Asherah. We start worshiping the gods of this world and we lose worship and we lose ground. David said, bless the Lord. Honor him. Worship him. Let Yahweh be the focus of your praise. All that is within me, David says, worship with your heart, a heart that is totally committed to the Lord. And then David got so excited about Yahweh, about the Lord. He said, let me... Let me, let me count some blessings with you. Could we, could we talk about some blessings today? He says in verse 2, first blessing, seven of them I want to look at and I'll hit these. He says, he forgives or pardons all your iniquities. That's the first blessing. That's the most important blessing that we need. Amen. He pardons all of our iniquity. This is an interesting word. This word here about pardon and forgiveness, the word that it comes from, it never ever anywhere in Scripture has anything to do with a human being forgiving another human being. This kind of forgiveness that that the Scripture bears out here is a very unique forgiveness. It is the forgiveness of God. And do you understand, we do, that all sin is ultimately against God and a violation of His commands. In other words, it's only God, it's only God that can forgive sin. It's only God that can wash away our sin. It's only God who can break the powers, the chains, the cords of our sin. Not praying to some statue somewhere. Not going through some work somewhere. The work is finished. It happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. The work is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And our job is to believe. And those who believe can be saved. Notice here in verse 10 and 11 of this chapter 103. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. I love this verse. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the, what is it? It's east is from the west. I think it's right. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now the word iniquity here means this. I mean, words are important. You need to study Bible words that have rich meaning. The word iniquity here pictures something twisted. Something deformed, something distorted. Sin and iniquity, our sins have have twisted the human race. They've marred the glory of God in in, in the human soul. 
when Paul was preaching his letter, his magnificent letter to the Romans, the greatest literature the world has ever known, the greatest treatise on salvation and what salvation is in the book of Romans. And Paul borrowed from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 as he describes what has happened to the human race. He's described he's describing what sin has done to human beings. And in a general sense, here's what he says. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, none who seeks after God. All have turned aside together and become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps. It's under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, and misery are in their paths. The path of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before them. Paul is indicting every one of us. He's indicting everyone that's outside of Jesus Christ. This is what has happened to humanity in the fall. And what's the answer? Brother Brad said today, said something that struck me in the heart. He said, you know, Pastor, we're building at a strategic time. He said, there's so many people filled with fear today. There's so many people that feel hopeless and confused today. And I said to him, I said, and and we're going to build a community of hope here in this city. What's the answer? What's the answer to all what Paul just said? How could we be lifted out of our bondage? How could we be freed? Not just from physical death, but eternal death. Separated from God for all of eternity. What's the answer? Here it is. He pardons all your iniquity. He forgives all your iniquity. At Calvary it took place. What David is trying to do here, David is trying to get people, the people of God, the Jewish people, to look back and to remember the forgiveness of God. There are times God should have just wiped us all out. And yet in his mercy, he said, I forgive your iniquities. At the golden calf situation, I mean, they'd barely been out of Egypt and they fell into sin. And so quickly they fell into sin. How quickly we can fall into sin. And God said, I want to wipe them out. And Moses, as a type of Christ, began to intercede and said, Lord, I pray, Lord, please go along with us in our midst. Even though these people are obstinate, and he said these words, pardon our iniquity and our sin. Take us as your possession. And they sinned and sinned and sinned in the wilderness. And there they are ready to go in and take the land and that Kadesh Barnea. They sin again. And Moses gets on his knees and he says this, pardon, I pray. The iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your words. 
Here we have in the Old Testament, we have the gospel. We have the gospel, and that's this, that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the only one who forgives iniquity, and therefore we must build a church, and we must proclaim the gospel to whosoever will may come and drink of the waters freely. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is a gospel of forgiveness. This is a gospel that can cleanse sin and break chains and give someone a name in heaven. This forgiveness that David talks about, the Lord forgives all your, Yahweh forgives all your iniquities, all the twisted parts of your life, but it brings a problem. What is the problem? It is the problem of what is the nature of Old Testament forgiveness. What is the nature of Old Testament forgiveness? Do you understand that the writer of Hebrews is clear that the Old Testament, forgiveness in the Old Testament was ineffective and impossible? Impossible. And yet David has the audacity to say, he forgives all your iniquities. And yet Hebrews says, it was impossible. Hebrews 9.9, which is a symbol for the present time, according to both gifts and sacrifices offered, which cannot, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. What's the answer? Walter Kaiser, I quote from him, he says this. The experience, and I quote, The experience of forgiveness in the Old Testament was personally efficacious Although objectively the basis and ground of that forgiveness awaited the death of Christ on the cross. So here's the answer. There's only been one salvation. There's always been one salvation. There will always be one salvation. There's not one salvation in the Old Testament and another salvation in the New Testament. There's one salvation and there's one answer and his name is Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, listen, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony to be given in the proper time. Now think about this. How could David say he forgives all of your iniquities? He pardons your iniquities. How could he say that? He could say that because every bull that was offered in the Old Testament, every lamb that was offered in the Old Testament, every dove, every offering pointed to that day and that moment where the psalmist says, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. By the way, when we quote that verse, he's not talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We wake up, this is the day. He's talking about a specific day. The psalmist is talking about the day when nails were put in his hands. Nails were put in his feet and Jesus cried out, it is finished. 
And those Old Testament saints look to that day. Well, what, what do we do? We look back to that moment. Every time we take the bread, every time we take the juice, what happens is this. We are celebrating what Jesus did on the cross. And we can rejoice today with David. For he forgives all your iniquities. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you help us out here, brother? Brother Brad, could you help us out here? Yep. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So they're looking back, or we're looking back. They're looking, they're looking to. Ephesians 1, 7 says that, that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches, according to the riches of his grace. It's always been from Old Testament to New Testament time. It's been Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus. You know why? Because in, in the, the first evangelical call was, was in Genesis 3.15 where it says, listen, where it says that, that the, they would bruise his heel but he would crush the serpent's head. Now quickly. When we read Psalm 32 and 51, we realize David knew something about the Lord's mercy. David knew something about the Lord's forgiveness. It's, it's laid out in the Word of God. It's, very ugly. it's a very ugly part of David's life. But if you read Psalm uh, 32 and Psalm 51... You, uh, you get a picture of a man that's truly repented. Not, not a man that just said, Lord, forgive me, but a man that really repented. I want you to think a moment of the sins that you and I both have committed throughout our lifetimes. Just think a moment. I'm not trying to pull up bad memories for you, but just think a moment. Just think a moment. Those sins, even one of those sins, you hear me? One of those sins. Now, we are different than the Bible, people of the Word of God. In our modern day of Christianity, we take sin lightly. The Bible does not. We have preachers today that barely even talk about sin. They won't even confront anyone. They're not even preachers. Do you understand how serious sin is? Sin is what... You think, is sin serious? The Son of God had to come from heaven to hang on the cross. I think it's serious. And you think about the sins that we've committed. And just one of those sins could banish you in hell forever. Forever. All of eternity. All of us in this room have committed enough sin to banish us forever. And yet when we came to him and said, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the things I've said, the people I've hurt. Most of all, God, I'm sorry that I've hurt you. I ask you to have mercy on me. Please forgive me. God said forgiven. 
washed. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone. Come on, hallelujah. What a gospel. What a gospel. As far as the east is from the west, gone, gone, gone. God is so merciful and kind. He doesn't say, okay, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to make you a second class Christian. I'm going to put you on the back seat over here. We're going to put you through a probationary period. No, 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 no. He said, I'll treat you like sons. See, forgiveness has to do with God treating us as if we have never, ever sinned. What a kind God we serve. Hallelujah. Maybe we should stop there. Musicians, would you come? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Would you stand? Would you stand with me? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Jesus is so precious to me. I'm not saying that as some kind of stupid stuff preachers say. Preachers say a lot of stupid stuff. I told my wife the other day, I said, I enjoy the Lord so much. I enjoy Him so much. Sometimes I just, I, I just love to go to my study and just get my Bible out and be alone with the Lord. I just love Him. I love the church. It's not a labor. When you, when you do something you love, it's not a labor. This building we're going to get going and my, I've carried a burden over this for a while and, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you why it's not for me I could you know I'm, I'm a tough guy I could I could wait another 10 years it doesn't matter I, I can I can grit through it I'm a tough guy but I feel for you I want I want you to enjoy this as the people of the Lord you've been so kind you've been so faithful to walk with us through this journey. And I just, I say, Lord, I want our family, our church family, they deserve a church. They deserve a wonderful place to worship for their families and their little ones. And that's why I want it to happen. We had a little delay here, but now we got our permit. We're going to build a church. We're going to build a house of hope. You know, uh, I was, ministering, I was ministering to someone the other day. They were real broken. We prayed together. And I thought, that's why the church exists. That's why we exist. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. The physician, the, the, the sick need the physician. And the physician, he's for the sick. He's not for the well folk. If everybody was well, the physician would be a carpenter. <laughs> he wouldn't have any work. think that what the Lord wants us to do is David's really challenged us and we really only got to a couple verses here but uh, I think the Lord just wants us to think about his mercy on us I think about where my life was headed as a teenager my life was already very very dark 
and getting darker all the time. It's a miracle that I'm here today. It is, it is a miracle that I'm here today. I really think if there wasn't for about a 20-second 20, 20 period in my life, I might not be here today. And that sounds crazy. 20 seconds at a locker between 4th and 5th period. 20 seconds. And a, lady, a young lady named Renee invited me to a church. I've been to church all my life. I was raised in church. I'm at church almost every Sunday. I wasn't saved. I just went to church. 20 seconds and Renee said, she said, would you come to my church? I said, sure. And that was it. And I walked away. How can our lives hinge on 20 seconds? And my life was empty. I was so empty. And I went to that church. And I heard the gospel. But I just didn't hear it. I heard it. Something happened to me. The Holy Spirit opened me up. I mean, you can't be saved without the Holy Ghost. You can't be saved. You Listen, these churches that are men, they're going to fall apart. And the reason is because it's all about men's cleverness. Listen, if the Spirit of God doesn't do it, it's wood, hay, and stubble. And it'll burn up in front of Him. Only ministry that's done by Him through His people is going to get... Everything else is going to be burned up. The Spirit of God opened me up. And He does what He always does. Is I fell under deep conviction. I know I'd had a guilty conscience before. But what happened is I fell under conviction. And the, and the time I went to the altar and knelt down and began to ask God to save me. I knew, I knew this. I knew I was the most wicked person that ever existed. I truly believed that. And I think everyone feels that way when they initially come to the Lord because the Holy Spirit says, you are a sinner. And I knew I deserved God's wrath and judgment. I knew I deserved His wrath. I call upon His name. I truly cried out to him with tears. And it wasn't the tears that did anything, but he heard my heart. And Jesus applied his blood. And he truly, truly changed me. And I think about where my family would be today. Would I have met my wife? Would I have four daughters that are saved and serving the Lord? Would I have four grandkids? Where would I be today? I may not be alive today. Because it's getting crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was getting a little crazy in my life. So I say with David today, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. And forget none of its benefits. He who pardons all of your iniquities. Why don't you take a moment and just begin to thank Him. Right there where you are. Just lift your voice. Begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him for His mercies. Begin to thank Him for His forgiveness. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it today. But we bless the Lord on this Thanksgiving before, uh, this Sunday before Thanksgiving. We bless Him. 
We worship Him. Could we have our singers come and lead us in something appropriate for this moment? We want to end this service with songs of gratitude and worship to our Lord. He's been mercy to us. He didn't, listen, He did not give me what I deserve. He didn't treat me the way my sins deserve. But with loving compassion, like a father looking down of us, showing us His mercy. Let's, let's sing something as we just let this message settle in upon our spirits today. You walk through all of miles. Thank you, Lord. into my path. Fill my world with grace. Thank you, Jesus. just for a moment you don't have to leave God's house with that dirty isolated feeling we know we know what it all of us know what it it feels like when we have violated the Lord's heart his commands it's that isolated feeling that guilty feeling that dirty shameful feeling but the blood can cleanse us he can wash us and make us clean in our conscience where we have the peace of our Lord. If anyone needs prayer today, as our heads are bowed, just raise your hand. Let me see it. I'll know who I'm praying for. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up. Anyone else? I need prayer today. This message is spoken in my heart. God bless you. I see your hand. Others, I see your hand. Are there others that have spiritual need today? God bless you. I see your hand. Would you wait just another moment? Several hands going up. So the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts today. Anyone else before I pray? God bless you. See your hand. Just have something I need to give Jesus today. Listen, He loves you. He understands. And He's reaching out for you. Now I'm going to pray. But I want you to pray. You pray your own way. I'll just voice the words that are in my heart. But you voice the words that are in your heart. Father, you see the hands that are raised here today. 
Lord, these are dear ones that are struggling in an area of their life. Lord, I believe they truly want to serve you with all of their heart. But Lord, there's something we can't overcome on our own. This life is too strong for us. This flesh is too strong for us. This world is too strong for us. On our own, the enemy is too strong for us. So Lord, we know that you're the strong one and we call on your name. We call upon the name of Jesus and we ask you to cleanse us from every stain. We ask you to wash us from every blot. We ask you to wash us from our iniquities. Make us clean, Lord. We want to be clean today. We don't want to leave your house with that guilty feeling. We ask you to be merciful to us. We know your word says that we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us today from every evil thought, every evil action, every evil word, every hurtful thing. We ask you to cleanse us, make us clean, make us new. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Let us, Lord, let us rejoice again. Let us rejoice again. Because your blood has restored us. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's all lift our hands and just thank you for hearing our prayers today. How great is Oh, yes. All will sing how great. How great is our God. Hallelujah. How great. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. All will sing how great. How great is our God. How great is our God. How great is our God. And sing with me. How great is our God. All will see how great. How great is our God. Oh, sing it out. He's the name. Above all names, he is worthy of all praise. In my heart, we'll sing how great is our God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. You're the name above all names. God and sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great 
have a wonderful, we have a wonderful God today. What a wonderful Savior. Throughout this Thanksgiving season, let's just focus on His mercy, His forgiveness. Maybe today, read, read through the rest of this wonderful psalm and just join David as you count your blessings. Amen. Father, it's been a joy to worship today with your people. We pray that you were honored. We pray that you were pleased with our worship today. Help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, our soul, all that are, are our strength to love you. And with David, to bless you with everything in us. Keep us in your divine hand. Lord, bless those that are with family on vacations, those that are sick and not with us today. Bring healing and grace. Be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints.